Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. That goes wild. Gene and Jerry making like a soundtrack. Hey, by the way, Megan Hills, our uh, other host, our third host, uh, God bless her. I hope she's listening, but she feels like junk because she uh, had some dental work done and thought she could do this, but it's just too uncomfortable. And so she's going to uh, uh, take some time off. So that's where uh, why Megan is not here. And uh, hey, our musical guest been chatting with her is Tiffany Williams, this wonderful singer, songwriter, uh, born and raised down in southeastern Kentucky, down in coal country. And Tiffany's father was a coal miner. Yeah, she's the original coal miner's daughter. It's a coal well, miner. How many times have you original. heard that? And how many times have you been asked to sing that song? Well, how many times have I also said it, too, in my bio yeah. and oh, when I'm introducing myself? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. have a song on my next record that's that was almost titled that. It's about being a coal miner's daughter. Very oh, cool. Man. Well, we're going to swing back to Tiffany yeah, here in a few can't minutes. Can't wait to hear it. And uh, she's fantastic. So we're looking for Stick around for that for sure. Hey, Jerry, uh, last couple episodes, and I think we're going to, you know, th- this situation is continuing to play out in Ukraine. And uh, i got some other things we're going to chat about in a minute, but w- we need to talk more about Ukraine. And you, uh, I always say the heart of the Jerry Springer podcasts are the Jerry Springer commentaries. And uh, I always load compliments on you. They're heartfelt. You're uh, my best and oldest friend in our adult lives. And I'm always impressed to see the angles you take on stuff. So I'm going to take you back to Ukraine. Uh, and I want to ask you something. Didn't Russia at one point in the past, under Putin, I think it was under Putin, you tell me, guarantee the security of Ukraine? If so, this is ironic as hell. Actually, initially, it was Boris Yeltsin. Was okay. But I, yeah, um, though it's obviously easy to see who's the villain here in Russia's horrific assault on Ukraine, it needs to be pointed out that Putin received a lot of assistance along the way. And it's not just a matter of piling on an already disgraced former president, but it has profound effects on our future, regardless of how the Ukraine situation turns out. This is best explained by looking at recent history. After the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union dissolved in the early 90s, the world breathed a sigh of relief. The Cold War was over. Communism was revealed as the failed ideology it was. And George H.W. Bush very wisely told everyone around him that this was no time for a victory lap, but rather a time to mend fences, to work with the Russian Federation's first president, Boris Yeltsin, in trying to help Russia, as well as the newly independent republics now free of Soviet domination, to help them all ease over to some form of democracy. One of the lingering issues, however, was that Ukraine no longer part of the Soviet Union, had some 1,800 nuclear missiles left within its borders. And that fact, perhaps understandably, worried the Russians. 
They wanted their missiles back. And Ukraine, equally understandably, wanted to hold on to them for what they perceived was their own security. Meanwhile, we, the United States, now clearly the world's unchallenged superpower, wanted fewer countries to be having nuclear weapons and didn't want any new dispute or uncontrollable conflict to arise in Europe. President Clinton, following the tone established by his predecessor, offered to mediate the issue if the parties were open to that. And as it turned out, they were. And what became of that was the Bucharest Memorandum of 1964, in which the United States, Great Britain, and Russia would offer security assistance to Ukraine if Ukraine would give up its nuclear weapons, all 1,800 of them, stripped of their nuclear warheads, the missiles to be transferred back to Russia. The United States, UK, and Russia would cover the cost of this guarantee the sovereignty of Ukraine and provide security assurances if it were attacked. This was clearly seen as a positive step in bringing some stability to the region. But unfortunately, the piece of paper upon which the document was signed was effectively shredded when Russia attacked Ukraine in 2014. Clearly, Ukraine was double-crossed giving up its obviously best weapon to defend itself on the promise of having Russia, to whom it surrendered its missiles, respect the sovereignty and borders of Ukraine and to, quote, refrain from the threat or use of force against it. That's the quote from the actual agreement. This, of course, is an outrage we can all condemn. But in terms of what's to become of having any hope of world stability, our hands aren't that clean either. The alternative of war in settling disputes is, of course, diplomacy. And the art of diplomacy took a hit when Trump, upon taking office, immediately sought to tear up the nuclear arms deal with Iran. He also withdrew from the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty with Russia. He pulled out of the Paris Climate Agreement, all while blasting NATO and the UN in the process, making our word meaningless on the world stage. The damage caused by this geopolitical recklessness extends beyond just Trump's years in office. Even if Biden can, as he's desperately trying, to restore our place in the world community, what must be clear to all nations is that not even guarantees offered by the United States have any permanence. Their validity always hanging at the mercy of whoever happens to be president at the time. What happens if one day we get another Trump type in the White House? Watching the cavalier way superpowers treat their promises, their supposed guarantees, why would any country again after seeing the lights of Putin or even Trump, why would or should any country out of their own self-interest give up their pursuit of nuclear weapons or anything they would need if attacked? Do we not think North Korea or Iran are taking notice? Do Japan and South Korea and who knows who else now have reason in their own minds to start revving up their armaments adding nukes to their arsenal? Where does all this end 
if treaties and negotiated agreements have no more worth than the paper they're written on. Let this be a lesson the next time our domestic politics start pushing for us to back out of our international agreements. Because what Putin is now showing the world is that when these documents are shredded, it's not just the treaty that goes up in smoke. So can a significant part of the human race. Excellent, Jerry. Great job connecting the dots between what Donald Trump did just recently and what Putin did to Ukraine. That's like you say, and that's I'm not a, a trained attorney. You are. But the clean hands theory is is a good one, yeah. isn't it? You know, I mean, yeah, we don't have clean hands. So, uh, do you, by the way, uh, do you think that if that hadn't happened, if Ukraine had those nuclear weapons and none of this would be happening? Oh, there's no question. No, question. no one is no one is going to attack a country. You know, virtually no one. In fact, I don't think anyone ever has attacked a country with nuclear weapons. Right. You just, right. you know, it, it's just crazy. It, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, why yeah. haven't, you know, why Russia and China haven't gone to an all out war? They've had disputes, but an all out war against each other over the years is because they both had nuclear weapons yeah. and the deterrence of nuclear weapons. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, you wouldn't, you know, if, if they had all their weapons, I, I don't think there's any way. I mean, they're. Russia militarily, now they're killing tons of civilians by sending some missiles, but their military has become a joke. It has become a joke. I mean, I mean geezel. And at God the time bless of this the women and children and, and, and civilians that are still you know alive in Ukraine and staying, they're literally beating the Russian army. Who it's amazing. Would have thunk? It's amazing. This, it's so this amazing. is the this is the 22nd of March at the time that we're recording this. And I saw a news report today. This is remarkable. They were at a train station. I think this was MSNBC, might have been CNN, uh, where people are now women, women, and, and I guess with their children. Yeah, there were children with them are going back to the Ukraine. Yeah, they, they're, they're in uh, the refugees in Poland and they're going back and they're going back partially because they're that pissed off and partially because this is not the overrun that Putin claimed it was going to be. I mean, yeah. they are, there is stiff resistance and what 10, some say 10 uh, Russian generals have been killed. Uh, thousands of Russians killed soldiers killed or wounded. Uh, I don't know. Th- this is just a, a crazy situation. And we continue to watch it and uh, appreciate yeah. your thoughts on it. I want to take us uh, to one other place, and we're going to be bringing Tiffany Williams, uh, a wonderful singer-songwriter, on here in a second. But I wanted to show you something and uh, show this to our uh, – tell our listeners about this. Uh, f- about a month ago, Jerry, you did a commentary that was what we call here at the Jerry Springer Podcast a good old good one. It was, like, amazing. And, and they're all really good. But this one was like, what? That, it was a WTF. And it was you saying, without any knowledge by Megan and me, that you were going to donate to Liz Cheney. And Liz Cheney 
the daughter of the vice president under George W. Bush, somebody that we had a lot of negative feelings about politically over the years, yep. right? Yep. And Liz Cheney was a champion conservative, and I uh, never felt politically very good about her. But she's emerged as kind of a hero in politics because, and your commentary talked about all this, you said this woman is amazing what she is doing. And in this Wyoming, so she's a congresswoman, the only one they have, low population state in Wyoming. And she's in a fight for her life, for her political life. As she's being uh, challenged in the primary by somebody that Donald Trump is pushing. And this all has to do with what she did and said about Donald Trump and the second impeachment vote. So you said... In a commentary, you were going to send her a donation, and you did. And it was, well, I'm not going to say how much you can say if you want, but it was a nice chunk of money. When you make a donation politically, it's a good chunk of money. And now, now what? Yeah, I think the same thing's happening with you. I'm it getting, is sure as hell is. Look at this, Jerry. I'm yes. going to hold him up. Why? <laughs> I know everybody would... what's happening now. <laughs> Tell them what ready. you did. I gave a contribution to Liz Cheney because of her integrity. And, and I think that's a, we got us a political party. That's a wonderful ca characteristic. Now, wait, now let me slide in one fact. After you did that, yeah. this has been you, what you and I have done all our lives since you got rich. Yeah. Hey, we should tell people when you and I started hanging out together along with our spouses, <laughs> like 1970, 69, yeah. 70, you and I were a couple of just working stiffs, man. We you were oh. you were running for you were a political activist. You were a city council member, newly elected. My salary was, when we started was eight thousand dollars a year, and mine was fifty two hundred. And mine was fifty two. Well, that's so, why you hung around with me because I was making so much. You're making more money. <laughs> yeah. So you and I were low paid schleps. And for a, a while, we stayed there. We bought homes with our wives and our houses were similar levels. We, you know, you saw my house. We saw your house. They were pretty different parts of town. Similar. And then you got wealthy. God bless you. You deserve every penny you've earned and through the news and then through your TV shows. And your donations are this level for listeners. I'm holding my hand up high and mine are down here at the normal human being level. So I donated some money to her too. Like that night, Jerry, I oh, got wow. on my phone yeah. and I said, you. Jerry Springer is dead right. I had never thought of it. I'm all in. So I sent in like a hundred bucks to Liz Cheney. And now tell the people what's happening to both of us because of that. Every day, our mailbox is packed with requests for contributions from every Republican who was ever born. <laughs> oh, it's it's unbelievable. Republic well, yesterday was the highlight because I got one from Pence. I got oh. one from Pence, too. I yeah. Oh, what no. is it? It's 12 pages. Oh, I know. No. I know. I know. I know. 12 pages. Get this one. Here's one for our Facebook Live viewers. You got one from Jordan. Well, yeah. Oh, I got God. one from Jim Jordan. He's a oh, freaking God. nutcase. He's a crazy man. <laughs> he's a congressman from Ohio, yeah. and he's like a total goofball. And I got one from him. What I'm trying to figure out, and you, you've been in politics forever. And by the way, I had never given money ever to a Republican in my life. So this is my first time, and now yeah. I'm on everybody's list. But uh, – Oh, it's insane. 
It's insane. So uh, how do we, how do we stop this? I don't know. But I tell well, you Mickey what. wants to put Mickey always wanted to write a note on it. You know, yeah. she gets so angry. And then I say, no, you know, first of all, it's computer. Mm. Yeah, that's right. There's some into no one's reading it. Mm-hmm. They just see if there's a check in the envelope. If not, boom, it's all done computer. So you're not, re- you know, you're not expressing your anger to anyone to whom it makes a difference. Do you think mm-hmm. that the plus the Republicans have drones? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. I don't want to make any, any of them mad because, you know, they know where I live. Do you think that the list we're on, like when I got one from Jim Jordan, I really got scared because he's like crazy right wing person. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder if the people who's uh, who are getting the campaigns who are getting her campaign list, it, once it's published public record, then all the Republicans can they don't need her cooperation at all. But I wonder, some of these came so fast, if she is teaming up with people who are going to support her in her primary fight. I don't think, no, I don't, she may, but I don't think that has anything to do with the letters you get. Everyone is working off the same computer list. Everyone has the voting records of everyone who voted, of everyone who's registered in every state. Once you, because it's all federal uh, filings. If you're running for Congress or the Senate, and in the state, there are state filings. It's all record of who gave how much money. That's the law. So you can find out. And as soon as they see somebody gave, is a registered voter and gave money to a Republican candidate, boom, you're on the list. So it, it's not that anyone sits around and thinks about it. It's done automatically, just like you get things on your iPhone. Uh, you know, all of a sudden advertisements in a certain era. Why? They figure it out. If you want to buy this or you listen to this music, you're the kind of person that would listen to this music. So therefore you get something about that. It's uh, it's all done computer wise. And so no one really, that's how it happens. And that's yeah. how they raise money. And they don't yeah. even need, you know, now any anything that happens is a cause and the Democrats do it, too. This is not picking on the Republicans. My no, gosh. that's true. true. I mean, but we get tons of requests. Anyone running for, you know, local township office is sending uh, is sending me a request or something. So it's, yep. Yep. it's endless. Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, hey, uh, one other thing. Uh, I wanted to uh, compliment you and express something we're excited about. Uh Recently, a commentary that Jerry did on the Ukraine situation a few weeks back uh, got sent over to the Cincinnati Inquirer, big daily paper in Cincinnati, a Gannett paper, and they uh, published it on their editorial page. It was great and published it in its entirety. And it's written for a podcast, not for a, a whole, a news hole, as they say in the newspaper business. And uh, we made contact with them and said, hey, you know, uh, and I guess we should give people this quick piece of history back after you left politics in what year, Jerry, in the 80s, early 80s? Yeah, in 82, yeah 82, I started uh, at Channel 5. All right. And at Channel yeah. 5, one of the duties you had was to do nightly uh, broadcast on camera commentaries. And they became, and I can tell people this because I'm kind of a witness, I was a Cincinnati news consumer, and they became extremely popular. Uh, 
And that, and then Jerry became a news anchor and took this Channel 5, what the NBC affiliate, as I recall, to first place in the news business in Cincinnati and kept it there until he left. And so there is a memory in Cincinnati of the Jerry Springer commentary. So the Inquirer said, yeah, we like these. We like them on a regular basis, which means weekly. So those of you listening in Cincinnati, uh, we're excited to say if you want to read them in the paper or if you see them in the paper and wonder, you know, what's going on, that's what's going on. They are going to... uh, uh, repeat these. And we are working out the logistics on how to do that on a regular basis. So uh, congratulations, Jerry. It's another way for your ideas to get out. Uh, Hey, let's talk to uh, Tiffany Williams. Uh, First of all, hello, Tiffany. Oh, thank you for having me. Tiffany. Absolutely. Uh, Let me say a couple things about you, but get you to say a lot more because I'm uh, a still new to your music, but you were, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, born and raised in Southeastern Kentucky, daughter of a coal miner. Tell us a little bit about yourself back in your formulative years, like school, et cetera. Yeah. Tell us about you. I was just a chubby nerd. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I didn't do that's and a country kid, you know. Oh. I don't it's it's funny because all the music stuff that that I'm into now, I never would have dreamed that I would be writing songs, singing. I was really shy, you know, so I, I didn't wow. ever imagine myself on stage. I didn't learn to play the guitar till I was 26. That's when I what? started teaching myself. Yeah. No kidding. And I really didn't sing until um, when I played in the band always. And so when I was going to college, they said, hey, we need people to be in the choir. So would you lo- would you also like a choir scholarship? And I said, sure. Man. And so that's, how, that's really the first time that I used my voice in a, you know, consistently enough to realize like oh maybe i could do this and people don't seem to hate it you know <laughs> so yeah. um so yeah i mean i, I really came kind of late to it when i learned to play guitar i was already a high school english teacher and then i left that job to study linguistics i was going to be a sociolinguist specializing in appalachian dialect and then i finally i'm just i'm a word nerd and and that's kind of that kind of comes through in the music too i think i'm a fiction writer as well um so and i i wrote fiction before i wrote songs so i think that all of that kind of informs what i do i'm very lyric focused and and there's a lot of stories in my songs and there there's a lot of regional stuff in my songs so well now wait back up a second um so what are you doing right now? You say you studied, you were an English teacher. I was that too. I, I uh, developed yeah. and ran schools, but my first year year was an English teacher. So I, you know, get up, fist bump you here. Hey, you know, yeah. uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Miserate. <laughs> well, uh, so Miserate. where did you go to the local public school in what town, by the way, in Kentucky? Well, so I'm from Letcher County and yep. that's where my dad's family's from. My mother's families from pike county kentucky yep p-i-k-e and um still coal country very much and uh, i went to college there and then there Where? was a job what of, college oh sorry in pikeville it's the university of pikeville now I'll it was pikeville college when i was there and yeah. uh, that's actually where my parents met my dad was in a in a mining tech program so he was a coal miner but he got his associate's degree in in mining tech 
Yep. So, um, so yeah, I went to college there, and then uh, I went to ETSU in Johnson City, Tennessee, to get my Master's of Arts in Teaching, and then I came back to Pikeville and uh, Pikeville <laughs> to teach high school for for five years. I did. And is that are you still teaching now? No, I just I just have a, a run of the mill day job now. I'm out okay. of education. Yeah, gotcha. but God bless teachers because my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough job. And if you, if you've done it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's self-serving comment, but it's important work and. No, it's, uh, the, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the most important, like I was very much fulfilled and I loved my kids. And I think it's, if you want to make an impact, that's one of the best places you can be, but it is very tough. Yeah. It's funny. Someone, my wife uh, has uh, started teaching when she was, Oh, I don't know, 15. She's a dance teacher and still is in her, you know, early 70s and had her own dance studio and did that for many years and now does some uh, still does some teaching in her niche area, which is uh, ballet and also tap dancing. And she's in it. She's an instinctive, incredible teacher. I know it because I've seen her her whole life and we were talking at breakfast this morning, Tiffany, about how uh, the when I have been asked in my life, and now I'm retired, so occasionally someone will say, oh, all right, so what'd you learn? You know, what's the key? And I say, there is a key. And the key is, a lot of stuff has to also happen, but the key is you got to care about the kids you're working with because you cannot bullshit that. You cannot. No, that, I know. I would, that's yeah. what I was thinking. You right? cannot fake it because they know. They, <laughs> they know if you if you care instantly. about them and they know if you care about your material. That's it. And yeah. I work with Native American kids, Appalachian kids, and urban African-American kids. And I chose always to work with the kids who are less advantaged economically. Because you and I, we all can go teach in some private school for any good. I said, no, no, no. I, I want... I did it for a lot of reasons. I'm, I'm not trying to play hero role, but, you know, and some of it's spiritual. Whatever you do for the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. I mean, some of it's simple as that. And those kids, when you cross a cultural chasm, you enter their yeah. world, like, who the hell are you? <laughs> who the hell are right. you coming in here? And, you, and they know if you will die for them metaphorically, then they're all in with you. They Then they got your back. And all the classroom management problems stop and and you can really get down to some great work. But the key is you got to care about those kids. And like you say, Tiffany, you got to care about your subject matter. No fakers make it. Yeah. And it's a wonderful, wonderful job to be in where those are the that's the law of the trail. Uh, hey, what inspired your music, Tiffany? Tell us a little bit about your music. Um, well, it's it's. A friend and I were talking the other day about, you know, because you think about this stuff sometimes, even if you don't want to, but we landed on pretty and sad. That's what I do. It's pretty and sad. Nice. But um, it's it's folk music yeah, yep. and maybe Americana, uh, singer, songwriters. Sometimes it veers into country. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where it lives. But um, did your family influence you at all? Were your mom and dad musical or not? No, not really. Um, they 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 loved music, but and and yeah. it was always on. But um, but no, they my mamaw would sing some, but uh, she called she used to watch Jerry and she would call him Jerry Stringer. 
That's <laughs> great. But she also called Skittles Skiddles, and the laxative Dulcolax was Ducalox. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Hey, look, as long as it works. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, we're going to hear a song by Tiffany uh, called If It Wasn't. If It Wasn't by Tiffany Williams. Yes, now I know what you've always known. This is not all you need. I feel like a fool. I believe you when you say. Tell me was great tiffany and uh you're right the, it, it, it's a blend and, and and you should know this uh springer and i 
we were raised on folk music, but it was back in the 60s, yeah. late 50s, 60s, early 70s. And there, and there was an explosion. Maybe you've heard about it. There was an explosion of popularity of folk music. And uh, your sound and the sounds of a lot of people, right, Jerry, that we've had on our show, young people like you, Tiffany, uh, hearken back to that. We love it. Right, Jerry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, we love that. It's, so, um, uh, yeah. hey, hey, Tiffany, where else can people hear your, mu- your music? Um, well, my website is Tiffany M as in mouse Williams. Okay. And, uh, and then it's on all the streaming platforms and you can hear the, the song that you just played is it, it's, um, my friend Jonathan Dean and I did it together and, uh, I just wanted to give him a shout out on there. He, we sure, co-wrote we it together and, um, Good. and we sang it together and we recorded it here in Nashville during the pandemic. So excellent. Um, and do you have any albums out that people should know about? Yeah. Yeah, I've got two EPs out, and um, and they're they're available on all the streaming services. And then I have my first full length album coming out in August of this year, so I'm really excited about that. That's fantastic! Yeah, please, folks. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Uh, Everybody, check out Tiffany Williams. You're in uh, Nashville as we speak, right? That's where Mm -hmm. you are rooted now. I know we talked about southeastern Kentucky, but uh, Tiffany really is in Nashville. What a great place that is to be. And uh, so we're going to ask her to come back. We're going to have Tiffany back for another episode. So uh, we'll, we'll all look forward to that. Is, and, your middle, um, is your middle name Mouse? No. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one that they use for M? You know, C is it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you are. Michelle, right. my yeah, name I is just, no. yeah. <laughs> I guess I could have said Michelle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> all right, taking us out. Uh, uh, singing down by the riverside, we have our music coordinator, Casey Campbell, singer songwriter in his own right, and an unbelievable singer. I don't know that he's uh, written any songs. <laughs> Gary Springer. See you guys next week. Well, I'm gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside. Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside.